0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. First Samuel chapter 11, verse 4, and Saul's curious and he's just come from the field and it's clear that he's gone back to farming. He's gone back to his normal duties at home. It's an agrarian society. Usually everybody had a farm or a field and he's plowing the field behind the oxen. He knows he's been, been anointed as king, but he's gone back home and he hasn't done anything yet. He's gone back to the field. He's a reluctant leader, apparently, like many of you are. Do you remember when uh, Peter, you know, after the resurrection, Peter says, hey, I'm going fishing. All right, well, we'll go too and they toiled all night, and they caught Zolcho. And there was a solitary figure on the sand. Boys, have you caught anything? You <laughs> love Jesus, right? Do you have any fish? He already knew that the nets were empty. No. Of course that guy anyway? Well, put your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll have a catch. So they throw the net. It's filled with fish, teeming with fish. They pull it up, and John says, it's the Lord, and Peter, into the water. Don't you love Peter? Did a belly flop or a triple gainer. (laughs) He starts swimming for the shore, and it's at that fire that Peter gets restored. I had a friend of mine, I've shared it before, he was addressing an audience, a mixed audience. There were a few people in the room, frankly, that I knew had walked away from the Lord after serving him, for years and my friend told the story of Peter and he said Peter has gone back had gone back fishing some of you have done the same and then he paused and said how is it well Peter gets restored by that firelight and they pull up do you remember how many fish it was this is a trivia question it was hundred and fifty three fish And somebody, I was at a baseball game Tuesday, and uh, a guy I've known for years goes, I always had this question. Everything in the Bible has a meaning, right? He says, why does it record in John 21 there was 153 fish? There's got to be some meaning in there. And I said, you know, I have a friend that studies Hebrew, and with every Hebrew letter, there's a number equivalent, and there's some pretty solid evidence that 153 in Hebrew means I am. Am God? How about that? Wow! So Saul's asking the question. I think anybody would. People have come into his hometown. Everybody's weeping. We're supposed to weep at those who weep, so that's a good thing. But there doesn't seem to be any answers. And so Paul says, uh, "Excuse me." Saul says, "What's the matter with the people? Why do they weep?" This is uh, an Italian phrase. "What's the matter you?" What's the matter with you? And Saul, you know, has been drawn to this place. It's time for the leader to lead. So they related to him the words of the men of Jabesh. They said, well, this guy named Snake, he came to the town... And he threatened the people, and the people said, okay, we'll make a covenant, and they shouldn't have done that, but they were desperate, and then they, he gave them a week, and they're going to have the right eye thing, and they've been gone all over, and here's what's happened, and the clock's ticking, and they don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how many days have gone by. And the Spirit of God six came upon Saul mightily. This is the second time we've seen this. The first time it happened in chapter 10, he prophesied, and he was with that traveling band of prophets, right? And when he heard these words, he became very angry. Hey, how about this? Put this in your theological uh, thinking and hat. The Spirit of God came upon Saul Saul mightily, and he became enraged. Is it possible that one evidence of the Spirit of God coming mightily upon a Christian is you would become very angry? Some of you are saying, Praise God! (laughs) This is my out now! Every time I am questioned, I will say, Did you know? In 1 Samuel 11, verse 6, children, line up. This is a spiritual moment. (laughs) And you have biblical grounds. They don't even know the verse. You could even say somewhere in the Bible, find it. And then do your chores. Spirit-inspired rage. I'm going to write an article. It's called... (laughs) You're going to get this. Q-S-S. Based upon James 119. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, Slow to anger. Don't steal my article. I'm going to write it. I'm going to come up with a T-shirt. It's going to have three dots after the last S. Okay? This may even be a book. I think you could write a book on this. Because this will help with relationships, right? Every time you respond in the flesh, you could just give it the test. Was I quick to listen or not so quick? Was I slow to speak or pretty fast? Was I slow to anger? I'm not giving you an out for (laughs) this. But I am saying that if you don't get angry in the face of evil and if you think that being nice is always what Christians ought to do, that's a lie. Jesus was angry. In Mark chapter 3, He looked around and He was angry at the religious leaders because they were trying to set Him up. When he turned over the tables, I don't think he was smiling. You know, uh, Walter Martin some years ago was on TBN. He was being interviewed by the couple that owned the station. And uh, the wife said, uh, well, Dr. Martin, nobody can gainsay the work that you've done in apologetics. It's just been tremendous. You've done a great job in, in clarifying things about Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses. But... She said, you could be nicer. And Dr. Martin said, wait a minute, lady. (laughs) You're now in my ballpark playing on my field. Let me tell you something. I love Jehovah's Witnesses. I love Mormons. I've given my life to try to reach them. She said, yes, but you need to be more like Jesus. And Dr. Martin said, look, I've, I've given evidence. I've done this and that. And she goes, well... Then could you say it with a smile? (laughs) On television, Dr. Martin goes, with a smile, You generation of slimy snakes, who warned you to flee from the wrath (laughs) to come? He said it with a smile. Anyway, (laughs) the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach glad tidings, right? To release the captives. But then he stopped. Because it does say then the year of vengeance of our Lord. When Jesus comes the second time, he's coming in the power of the Spirit. Even John the Baptist said of Jesus, his winnowing fork is in his hand. He's going he's gonna to take the chaff and burn it with unquenchable fire. Right? He baptizes with the Spirit and fire. He was using imagery that's related to judgment. Now it does not mean, of course, that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit you get very angry. But there is a uh, section of the Christian life where here Saul is being prepared for war. He's got to have a certain mindset. This happened, I, I took you through some verses in Judges. Look at Judges 3.10, don't go there right now. Judges 6.34 and Judges 11.25 and you'll see Othniel, Gideon and Jephthah the Spirit of God rushes upon each of them, empowering them for battle. And so, this is what's happened to Saul now. The Spirit rushes on him, and he is very angry, and it's a good thing the donkeys weren't around, because he took a yoke of oxen, and he cut them in pieces. Wow. And he sent them throughout the territory of Israel by the hand, <laughs> wouldn't you love to be these messengers, of messengers, of messengers, He said, look, wrap this in a brown paper bag and send it to that tribe. And you take this to this tribe. And you, and here's your message. It'll be very short and sweet. Whoever does not come after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. (laughs) How do you like that? You wanted a king? Oh, you got one. (laughs) I think he probably said it just like that because he was angry, right? He's chopped his oxen. He just plowed the field with them. He killed them, cut them into pieces, dismembered his oxen, wrapped them up, probably how you get your meat at Stater Brothers, and and said, look, here's the message. You can even write it on there if you want to. You better come out for battle because if not, we're going to come and we're going to do this to your oxen. And the dread of the Lord fell on the people and they came out as one man. One man, they were united Saul said, look, I'm going to cut a new covenant. You think Nahash is all that? You think the snake who's threatening to cut your right eye out, he's nothing? Let me tell you something. We're about to go to war. You've got to love it. Saul takes action. And he sends the message and he says, look, you better come. It's time that we come together as a nation. And we fight this common enemy. Don't you think it's time that we come together? You know, the church has been divided for so long. We can't even figure out what we believe about major plain issues in the Bible. I don't know what's going on. We have a common enemy, yet we fight each other. Uh, There's conflicts and quarrels. Oftentimes over secondary issues, we can't even come together half the time to pray for our city. There's pastors competing against each other. There's... There's territorial junk going on, and we're divided right where the enemy wants us. But they came together as one man, and he numbered them in Bezek. And the sons of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah 30,000. This would be a distinction between the north and the south. Bezek was 13 miles northeast of Shechem, due west of Jabesh Gilead on the other side of the Jordan, the west side. And they said to the messengers who had come, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you shall have your deliverance. So the people have come now. They've responded to the call. And I, I just want to pause here for a second and just, just I want to ask the question. And I, and I think some of you are sensing the same urgency that I am about the times that we live in. We've got to come together we just got to. There's too many of us sitting on the sidelines and other voices are winning the day. They've got the microphone and there's not a lot of people showing up to articulate in love and in truth the Christian message and gospel. And so the men have come together. There's, there's thousands of them. They've they said to the messengers who had come, tell these men that have been threatened by the snake, tomorrow, By the time the sun is hot, by the time it's midday, you will have your salvation. You'll have your deliverance. So the messengers went and told the men of Jabesh. And could you imagine the relief that they felt? They probably were thinking, we're all alone. Nobody's going to answer this call. Do You remember in some of the Lord of the Rings movies when they're holding up against all those ugly looking orcs who are coming, you know, and the king, you know, I can't even remember all the details, but the king says, nobody's coming. We're all alone. We may not even last the night against these, this evil, and then finally, the next morning, there's Gandalf, you know, on the white horse with, with an army that comes to bring deliverance. Of course, we have a message of deliverance to speak, don't we? We bring glad tidings of good things. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings, And that imagery is probably the imagery of a messenger bringing. The news of the battle to a waiting party, how's the battle and the way he ran would often determine how things were going. And they were glad, they were elated. We should be glad every day that we have had deliverance, ultimate deliverance in Jesus Christ and the message that we bring to those who are fearful, those who have been threatened by the snake, as we say, you'll have your deliverance. Trust in the deliverer. Will you trust in him? The men of Jabesh said, tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may do to us whatever seems good to you. Now they're sending a message to Nahash, and they said to the Ammonites, uh, tomorrow we will surrender to you, and you can do to us whatever seems good to you. And Nahash had to be thinking, there it is, I've got my victory. I knew nothing was going to come of what they were going to try to put together. And it happened the next morning that Saul put the people in three companies. He's leading, he's organized, and they came into the midst of the camp at the morning watch between 2 and 6 a.m. They had traveled all night, probably about 20 miles. They had to travel quite a long distance to get there. And they struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. So from early morning before the sun rose, most likely, until noon or later, the battle went. And the Ammonites were struck by surprise. They didn't think this was going to happen. They didn't think anybody was coming. And here comes Saul with all these people backing him and they won the day. The Ammonites were not ready and they struck him down. And it came about that those who survived were scattered, that no two of them were left together. The enemy didn't even have anybody side by side, but the children of Israel were together. The enemy scattered. This is what needs to happen in the church we come together the enemy scatters then the people said to Samuel who is he that said shall Saul reign over us bring the men that we may put them to death too hey we're on a roll remember those guys God touched the heart of some of, but there were some people maybe there are some of them right here they said can this man save us they wouldn't even get him a coffee cup bring him out (laughs) I don't care if they're our own people They're going to die too. It's a great idea. Let's turn on each other now. (laughs) It's Chuck Missler who said, Christians are the only ones that have their firing firing squads in a circle. (laughs) Where are those naysayers? (laughs) I wonder if it was one of the people trying to hide. Where are those people that said he couldn't do it? Well, remember, the enemy is still lurking in the Philistine camp, so not everything is, is uh, hunky-dory here. But Saul said, notice this now, not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished deliverance in Israel. ESV says, Saul said, not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Oh, No. We're not turning on each other. Now think of Saul. This is a moment of temptation because he knew that there were people who were running him down, who didn't believe in him, who would not back him. Indeed, it said they despised him. And when he had an opportunity to say, you know what, that's right. I remember what you said and you said and you said at the meeting, off with their heads. He could have done that, but he didn't. He said no. Who does he give the credit to for the battle? For today, the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. You see humility. You see, he refuses the suggestion of his overly zealous followers. He's leading. He's showing humility. You know, when you lead, you can't always go with the flow. And you certainly have to be careful that you don't uh, try to get vendettas against people that may not have believed in you. Every leader will have some people that back them and some who are naysayers. It's just the fact of life. And Samuel said to the people, "Notice, Samuel the prophet is still there. This nation is still has to recognize that the king is going to follow God. Come, and let us go to Gilgal, and renew the kingdom there." One thing I didn't uh, note is that in Judges, I think it's chapters nineteen through twenty-one, there's the story of the concubine who um, gets. She gets raped and uh, she's the concubine of a Levite and there's this terrible thing that happens in Israel and I don't know if you guys have read this story, but it's pretty brutal. They, After she was killed, they cut her up in pieces and they sent her body parts all over to the 12 tribes. It's a pretty grisly story. And this happened in some of these same locations. It's connected to Saul and connected to these areas that have been mentioned and what Saul does by sending the pieces of the oxen, there's a connection here somehow. I don't know everything that the Holy Spirit's painting, but I, I think maybe this, this is the idea of renewal, that something terrible happened with this concubine and Israel started fighting each other and everybody turned against each other and now Saul's saying, no, we're going we're gonna to become united. We're not going to fight each other anymore. And so Samuel said to the people, come up, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. The NIV says, let's reaffirm the kingship, but I think it's better the renewal of the kingdom there because I think you're going to see that they're going to renew it back to God. Final verse. So all the people went to Gilgal and there they made Saul king, notice, before the Lord, In Gelgal. I think this is the official coronation. Now they believe in him. Now he's done this great act of courage. There they also offered sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. Repetition. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. So far, so good. A time of renewal has come. And it's so desperately needed. One writer says this seems to be a renewal of allegiance to the kingship of Yahweh. You can see the repetition in the verses before the Lord, before the Lord. A time of renewal of his kingship is so needed in our church. I'm talking about the church, not just this church. There are so many of us who are understanding more about the king and the kingdom. We're trying to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Indeed, this and this alone is what will bring true and lasting peace. Do you agree? There needs to be a renewal of the kingdom a renewal of the focus on King Jesus and what he says and that we would follow him to victory. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for the images that you paint through the Holy Spirit to help us to understand the battle. We've talked about three areas of battle, the flesh, ideas, and the spiritual warfare. And there's more. But those are the primary areas that we face, Lord. And thank you that we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that the battle is already won. We fight from the side of victory. Let us not be a fearful people. Let us follow you into battle. Let us follow you into spiritual warfare. Let us follow you into uh, denying our flesh and knowing that we have a helper in heaven and an advocate in heaven and a helper that lives in us, the Holy Spirit. And then, Lord, as we battle for ideas in our culture, we know that there's going to be some that back what we say and some that don't, some that may even think that what we believe is a joke. But help us to press on. Let us move forward in faith. Let us not give up the battle. Let us trust that as we follow you, our ultimate king and leader, We'll follow you into the ways of victory. With your head and heart bowed, maybe there's are some areas of your life tonight that you need to lay down. Maybe you can just say, man, the, the battle's been raging in my life, but the Lord will give you victory. Just hold on, dear saint. If you're not a Christian, you're battling alone. That's not a good place to be at all. Ask him in. If you're not a Christian tonight, settle it. It's something like this Jesus cry out to him if it's you cry out to him out loud don't worry about who's around you Jesus come into my life and save me. You are my deliverer. I trust in you your death on the cross and your resurrection from the dead. Save me Lord. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Help me follow you. Lord that may be a prayer for a prodigal in this room tonight who's been beat up by the battle, gone back maybe to some old ways and feeling that. And Lord, I just pray you'd strengthen them and uh, just heal their backslidings. And I pray for all of us, you'll give us a fresh touch from your Holy Spirit. And I know every time you touch us and you rush upon us with your power, you'll give us exactly what is needed for that moment. Whether it's patience, whether it's kindness, whether it's joy, whether it's love, whether it's self-control, or whether it's some righteous anger. Give us the wisdom to know how to submit so much to your Spirit that we can respond in a way that will reflect you and do so for your glory. We love you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to send us a note we'd appreciate it just hey just just say i i listen in this area of the country i'm on this station and i appreciate your ministry and if you can give us a year-end donation folks to help us come strong into 2017 i'll tell you we have uh, radio stations that are asking for a living truth we'd like to expand our reach but we can only do that if you partner with us so please consider a year-end gift to help us uh, be strong into 2017 can do all of that at livingtruthradio.org. There'll be a picture of myself on that screen. Just click on Donate beneath my picture. Make sure you indicate for radio ministry. just wanted to say a word that we deeply appreciate our listening audience and deeply appreciate those of you who are partnering in radio ministry with us. Uh, Remember that when you do give to a ministry like this, you are partnering and you're doing something to expand and extend both the teaching of the Word of God and the Gospel. I recently heard that about 40% of Christian radio listeners are unchurched. They may be non-Christians, but a lot of them are not connected to a home church. So, if that's you and you're anywhere near the Inland Empire and you'd like to join us for worship, you can do so uh, on Sunday mornings or Wednesday evenings. We have services uh, 9 and 11.15 on Sunday mornings. And on Wednesday nights, we meet at 7 p.m. Information and directions and everything else you'd need to know at livingtruthradio.org. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz, this is Pastor Michael Lance with help today from Cameron Thomas uh, bidding you a good day. God bless you, and we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, I want to invite you to visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org to get more familiar with our church fellowship. If you live in the Inland Empire and don't have a church home, come and worship with us. We have a wonderful church family that meets here in the city of Corona. Our service times are 9th and 1115 a.m. You can get more information about that at the website. That's livingtruthcorona.org. God bless you.